Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Risk and Reward, the golf podcast from Winning Edge Investments that helps keep you on the correct side of the betting ledger. I'm Rod Murray, good to have your company as we delve once again into the world of value golf betting, doing it this week from on-site at the unique and brilliant Vic Open here on the Bellarine Peninsula. This tournament sees both men and women playing together on the same course at the same time for equal prize money, but two different trophies. And it has to be said, it's captured the imagination of the golf world. Not only that, from a personal experience, I can confirm it is the best golf event for spectating that I've ever been to because there are no ropes and you can get up close to the players that actually hit their shots as a golf fan. That alone is worth the price of admission. We'll chat about that and no doubt plenty more as we go along. But before that, let me introduce my co-host and golf professional of more than 50 years, John Evans, who unfortunately isn't here this week, though I'm sure he's been studying the fields of both tournaments with keen interest. Uh, and we'll have plenty of thoughts on what to expect. Jay, you really must make the effort to get down here one day, my friend. I Knowing you as I do, I can tell you, you would be in your element here at this tournament, particularly being able to stand behind the players as they play their shots. You know as a golfer, there's nothing quite like that view, is there? Well, I think that's the best view. You you, you, you see what they're trying to do, and you see whether they've been able to do it. But uh, I would love to be there, Rod, but as you know, I'm stuck in uh, in one place because I'm getting my hip done in about three weeks' time. And once I get over that, then you might see me running down there. Oh, I think we'll <laughs> Now that I would actually pay money to CJE and I might even film it and charge others to watch as well. Let's hope for 2021, my friend. I'm looking forward to doing it. They've got the, at the Australian Open each year, they started a thing a few years ago, on-course radio. There's a radio coverage of the tournament. We have reporters out on the course and a, a booth central of the course. You get a little earpiece when you get there and you can listen to that coverage because you're out on the course. You can only watch one group at a time. They're doing that this week for the first time at the Vic Open JE this Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be a part of that team, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I did it at the Australian Open and really loved it. I was only in the booth there. I might be doing some on-course reporting this time, which I'll be honest with you, that's a bit nerve-wracking because you probably need to know more about the game than I do and the playing of it to do that really effectively. But I'm really looking forward to that. So if anybody listening to the podcast is interested in that, if you can't get to a television or be able to watch the, the tournament online, get to the Vic Open Golf website. You can tune into the radio. And it sounds crazy, J.E., but it's actually a really interesting way to uh, listen to the golf. A bit like the cricket, there's a lot of time in between shots to let stories and narratives breathe and your friend of mine Mike Clayton is part of the coverage as is John Huggin uh, so if you're into your golf there's some really good minds there to listen to talk about it so looking forward to that and I'm, I'm sure you'll be tuning in or I would hope so anyway well it certainly could um, that sort of scenario leads you to if you're out on the golf course as an example to go and find the players who are um, who are actually showing up that's exactly uh, so right. I think that yeah. is a great idea, and uh, I thought it was a good idea at the Aussie Open. I I got my free earpiece and uh, thought it was fantastic because there was there was some great contra- uh, great stuff, and uh, very well put together. So I think it'll be good. Yeah. And uh, who's running it? Is Hazy running the whole deal? Mark Hayes, the media manager from Golf Australia, is always the big boss on these things. We've got a professional radio host in this week, I think, from SEN, whose name, of course, now that you've asked me. Completely escaped. Uh, Jack Heverin, if that okay. rings a bell. Mark, Mark Allen there. Uh, no, Mark isn't here. I think he's actually 
well, I, won't, I don't want to tell stories down this I think he may have had some good news about his cancer treatment this just this past week, which is good really to hear. A couple fine. of people mentioned he's, he's had his yeah, issues, think, as we know, with, with that. So yeah, I thought he was outstanding, uh, an outstanding on-course commentator, as good as I've seen. Um, we've got a couple of good ones. I like Radar. What Radar does is different. And uh, But I thought Mark Allen was very concise, precise, and... No cliches. I thought it was very good. Fabulous. Well, prepare for disappointment when you hear me doing it this week, J.E. But what I do look forward to is sitting down with you next week. You can critique my work and tell me where I went wrong and perhaps, if I'm lucky, a bit of where I went right. Uh, Now, before we come to the betting, let's talk fields and betting soon. But before that, a reminder to check out the Winning Edge Investments website at winningedgeinvestments.com. This golf podcast is just a small part of what they do. They've got several experts offering their opinions in various newsletters, predominantly horse racing across the network. Uh, if you have an interest in that area, it is well worth checking out. Proven track record across the board, and I can confirm many happy customers. It has to be said, if golf is your thing and it's the reason you're listening, there's good news for you too, a 25% discount on the golf newsletter service for podcast listeners just use the promo code golf 25 when you sign up and you'll pay just 112 dollars 50 per month instead of the usual 150 and that is for the life of the subscription don't forget if you sign up for three or 12 months there's also a profit guarantee so really there's nothing to lose now je let's talk where do you want to start this week last week's results or do you have something else pressing on your mind that you wanted to bring up well i think um we should talk about last week's results uh, first, Rod, we we had uh, three guys that we tipped two for the win and one for the place who were all right in the mix right up until the last nine. Hudson Swafford at $1,000. He got within one shot with about 14 holes to play, um, which was a – and he needs to. He's, he's in a position where he needs 125 uh, points to retain his card after a medical – he's had a medical uh, – delay and uh he nearly did it on the in the one event which i was so pleased for him he's, he's a very very good player uh, had a foot injury and, and an operation uh but he nearly got there our mate our old mate your old mate nate Leslie, <laughs> dollars, the one you didn't uh didn't. back when i tipped him to you one one out did you he, come, he I can't five, call that yes yes you can five hundred and ten dollars i tipped him out this week i thought he was he's been playing steadily and he finished third, um, which was he never really got into a position to win. He shot three under the last round, but it was all done with two putting and uh, not a great deal of outstanding putting, which which the winner um, showed unbelievable putting skills, and particularly in the last three holes of the playoff and, and the last couple of holes of the last round. But he, he finished third, and the, the other one... I nearly pulled another boner with um, uh, Scott Piercy, who I tipped for the top 20, and he comfortably made that. Uh, got into a position where he was running third or fourth uh, most of the last round, and I didn't tip him for the win, but uh, fortunately he didn't embarrass me further. So uh, we also had a, 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 were a little unlucky in the top 20 bets with uh, Stephen Gallagher, who had a fantastic record in that event. That's why I tipped him at $14 for top 20, and he finished one shot out at 21st, I for 21st. Uh, two players needed, one needed the birdie the last, and one needed the par the last, they both did. So he just got nutted out of there. But otherwise, um, a good sign that we're on the right track with the long price winners. 
Yeah, indeed. They're uh, generous odds. I was watching Nate Lashley late in the last round. I only had access to the scoreboard, and I was thinking to myself, if he gets this done, I am going to hear about I'm already hearing about it forever, but I'm going to hear about it twice forever if he gets home here. But I was quite disappointed when he didn't. I, I, I really thought with five or six holes to go, he only needed to hit one shot, it felt like, J.E., that might have turned everything. If he'd hit something close and made a birdie, or there was, there's a couple of eagle chances late in that round. Had he managed to get one on the green and, and hole a putt, you had the feeling he might have just gone on with it. So, uh, as you say, it was uh, he was there right till the end. So, And I guess that's a part of it too, Jay. You watch with more interest when you've got an interest like that, don't you? Uh, the golf's always entertaining, and it was a very entertaining finish, it has to be said, uh, at Phoenix with the playoff with Finau and Webb Simpson, as you said, two very different styles of players. But it just makes the whole last couple of hours that much more interesting when you've got an interest in there lurking about and... And may do something. So I really enjoyed that. So uh, a good week for you, it has to be said. Was the total up or down this week? Did we come out in front? Well, slightly down. Slightly down. Slightly. It would have been a big win if uh, if Stevie Gallagher had got up. It was just a slightly mm-hmm. down. But it, yeah, as you say, Dave Lashley whacked it, whacked it on the, one of the few players to hit it on the par four. Uh, I think it's 16. Six, uh, 17. 16 is the crazy so, par three. He, he, hit it on the, he hit it on the par four pin high about 20 foot away probably the best shot of the day on the right side of the green with water on the left everything perfect and he actually hit a pretty good putt if, if that I thought if that had gone in that would have been the impetus for him to yeah possibly uh, kick forward and win but uh, he, he as I say he's that might be the thing that's held him back from winning more often uh, if you have a look at how uh, Webb Simpson putted and I think that's true of all of the guys who win on the US tour, they make a lot of putts in the last nine or even the last 18, and he just didn't make anything. So, you know, but anyway, uh, onwards and upwards, uh, as you say, Rod. Well, and, uh, the circus keeps travelling from town to town, doesn't it, J.E.? There's no time to sit back and lament what may or may not have happened, and as there's no time to sit back and bask in the glory when the results do come up, we've got to move on. Let's go to the Vic Open this week. Both are men's and a women's field. It's unique, J.E. It has captured the imagination of the golf world. Interestingly, it doesn't seem to have captured the imagination of the local press in the same way. I feel like it's a big event in golf, but it's not a big event, There's, uh, which is a real shame. There's not a lot of uh, local, per- local journalists. The only, probably the only person who can make it so is, is Michael Clayton, who writes regularly for The Age. And I know, uh, I, I see that Ogilvy did a very interesting interview uh, doing a great promotion for the event, and Clayton generally promotes the event. It's disappointing, though. They probably just haven't got golf riders. That's probably the, the guts of it. it, it it's partly it, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's very golfy, I guess. It really is. This is a, this is a real golf festival, and it's, it's all about the golf, which is fantastic if you're into the golf, as I am, which is one of the reasons I think you'd really love it. When you go to the Australian Open or the Open Championship or the Masters or some of those big events, there's always a lot of people there for whom golf is secondary at best they're there to be part of an event and there's nothing wrong with that and that's good but I do like an event that is all about the golf and this one really is all about the golf which is part of the reason they can get away with having people walk the fairways you can't do that at an event where the fans don't understand the etiquette 
of the game and, and how it works and just staying out of the way and all those sorts of things. So there's a bunch of things that make it work down here. If you're into golf, honestly, you couldn't go to a better tournament. But it, you're right, it is a little disappointing that it doesn't seem to have captured the imagination of the mainstream press. However, that doesn't worry us, Jay, because we are golf nuts. What have you found in the markets? Of course, it starts early tomorrow morning, so we better get this podcast out and soon. Yeah, well, I found two guys who played very well in the Aussie Open. Um, Shay Wolves Cobb, both young guys. Mm-hmm. Shay Wolves Cobb, $920, and he played beautifully at the Australian Open at the Australian. Um, he's got no form at this course, but um, I thought that was just ridiculous odds, so I, I put him out there at 920. Um, Aaron Pike, who's a very interesting character, Johnny Walter, a Who's, a, who's actually a racing tipster and a jockey's representative and an old mate of my son's, he caddied for Aaron at the Australian Open and did a fant- he, was, he was a scratch golfer himself, fantastic uh, player with a lot of ability. Uh, and Aaron Pike obviously appreciated being under the lash and he finished third at the Australian. Mm-hmm. His record apart from that is abysmal. He's missed the cut every time at the Victorian Open, so he doesn't fit my normal model. He's he's, he's missed the Cups twice since he played in the Australian Open, so he's he, you would have to say that form hasn't continued. But the way he played the last 18 holes at the Australian suggests to me that if he gets in the right frame of mind, he can very well win an event of this nature, which is a step down from the Australian Open in class in, in reality. Um, I did uh, send a tweet off to Johnny Walder to find out whether he was catting for him because I thought he might have been the key, but he said he's he's stuck on kid duty, so he can't make it. So <laughs> they, interfere, they interfere with everything, don't they, J.E.? Kids? <laughs> well, that's what they're there for, I think. But however, I've, I've, I've thrown... I mean, if he doesn't play well in this event, I wonder how he's going to retain his card. So he's under a bit of pressure. The third guy I've put in... Fairly short odds for me. Jake McLeod at $110. But Jake McLeod won the New South Wales Open. And he's got a good record here. So mm-hmm. he's won second. He ran second here. So I thought he's missed his card in Europe. He'll be desperate to, to, to try to win this tournament to get his card back. He's run second here. And he's a very, very good player. Won the New South Wales Open. So... Those are my three tips. I've got a few others. I've got one guy lurking. Uh, this will probably give it away, but he's a former Australian Open winner, mm-hmm. and he's playing. I'm not going to tell you who he is. You work it out for yourself. Well done. He's playing in on the web.com tour, and he's had a couple of reasonable results, two top tens in the last five or six weeks on the web.com tour. And this is a class below that as well. So... I'm waiting for him to get out to back up a lodge. He's not far away, and I'll probably put him in the uh, subscriber Steve tips tomorrow like morning, or it, probably during the night sometime because of the timing of this event. He'll start about Sparrowfart tomorrow. Six o'clock. That's right. They'll be they'll be on the course early. Here's the joy of being on site, Jay. I can tell you. Firstly, with I haven't seen Shay Wolscob, uh, a very very a very well credentialed amateur player before he turned pro probably at the beginning of last year or the back end of the year before. Uh, so I do like that call. Aaron Pike, I saw him today. He's a big unit, but I can tell you he doesn't feel the cold. 
I got here on Monday when the wind was blowing at about mm, 150 miles an hour. Not quite, but it was cold. And there was chill in the breeze. He was getting around in shorts on Monday. When I saw him today, he was wearing shorts again. I said, mate, do you just not feel the cold? And he said, what do you mean? I said, I saw you in shorts on Monday. And he said, yeah. And I said, it was freezing on Monday. And he said, was it? So he's tough. I can tell did you he that. Have a, did he, he's missed a cat that many times. Did he have on a hair shirt? Uh, he did have on a new shirt. So uh, he's a very likable bloke, Aaron Pike, it has to be said. Terrific personality. Uh, been around a long time. I think he's only won once on the, the local tour down here. But he's a he's a player of not inconsiderable talent. Uh, so I, I don't mind that uh, also at 450. But the one that I was really interested to hear you pick, Jake McLeod. I was here a couple of years ago when he shot 61 in the first round. It would have been the year he finished second, I reckon. And I recall asking him at the time, what was the key to his good play? And he said that there's a gelato place in Barwon Heads where he'd been having an ice cream every day. And he reckoned that was the key. So he had an yeah. ice cream each day. Well, I saw him today, interestingly enough, and I asked him if he'd been back there, and he said he'd been here for two days. The joint had been closed, but he just had a text from one of the guys he's staying with saying that they're open this afternoon. So he was rushing away from the course to grab an ice cream, and that will set him up beautifully for the week, J.E. So Jake McLeod is a good bet now that the gelato shop has reopened in Barwon Heads. So you could couldn't... Be, uh, have, could be a sort of a tip if he ever goes to Italy too. I'll that's right. <laughs> Always back him in the Italian Open. Gelato is the key. I also know the other player that you're talking about. I had a good chat to him today. Lovely bloke, well-credentialed player, as you say, former Australian Open winner, and I like you. I watched him hit a few balls today and uh, just a seasoned a professional's professional could bob up at any time and win in a field of this class, as you suggest. So uh, we yeah, won't he's give gonna it away. Be in, he's going to be in there, but I yeah, hope he, absolutely. He's, he'll drift out, and, and uh, yeah. I don't think it'll matter whether a few no. people put some money on over here because it'll all be about what the Americans do, I think. Yeah. And a lovely bloke, it has to be said. Yeah, um, no, top bloke. And really, it was nice really. to see him with his kid, with his boy caddying for him and the, and the other kids wandering around watching him at the last event he played. So yeah. it, well, it would be lovely, except that it reminds me how old I am, J.E., because I can remember when he was a young bloke. Now his son's caddying for him. For him, Goodness me, I've been at this caper longer than I thought. Let's move on to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. I really do urge people, if they can, to watch it. And if you ever get the chance to come down here, it is a real festival of the game. For betting purposes, let's move to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. J.E., I have... We, Sorry, before, yeah. we do that, before we do that, I should just say that I have got um, a number of... The market for the women's is is often a bit thin, I've got some. I've got at least six players or seven players that I'm watching closely. Um, a couple of them uh, played well in the ALPGA qualifying, uh, and, and might get out to the big odds I'm looking for. It's 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 an event. I think that um, somebody can pop up from previously unheard of as. Um, Selene Beauty uh, did last year, and I think I tipped her. But uh, there's there's a few here I've got my eye on. There's one over the odds for certain even now, but I'm not going to go down because I think you're going to get further out. So all i got to say is Podcast Speed isn't going to get a tip, but, but, but uh, subscribers can expect they, they are going to get something uh, during the night. Yeah. It's almost a two-tier field, it has to be said, the women's event. It's always been the stronger of the two fields, the women, in this particular event with this format. Uh, and this year, I was watching NB Park putt today, J.E. Um, I can die happy now. That is a thing. He doesn't, thing. Miss, many. He doesn't that, miss 
That is a thing of beauty. She was on the practice green and they were just rolling dead centre, one after the other after the other. It was quite hypnotic. But yes, uh, somewhat difficult. And I agree with you. I think the the chance for somebody to bob up, particularly with the nature of the golf course here in the wind, it's the sort of conditions that the women in particular don't see too often. And a bit of experience uh, could really play a solid part here this coming week. Well, I think so. the Aussie girls, the Aussie girls, are, mm-hmm. uh, they, they've got to be a chance here because simply because of the uh, they yep. they are far more used to playing in the wind. In yeah. fact, if they you know if they can't play in the wind in Australia, they they can't compete. So, That's right. Yep. So uh, there's there are a few there that I've got an, got my eye on anyway. Right. Yep. It's a certain style of golf, and if you're not familiar with it, it can look completely foreign. But if you know what you're doing, it, it can get... I've been down here when the wind's really blown uh, here on the Bellarine Peninsula, and there are days where... And you would understand this this saying, J.E., just throw the yardage book out. The numbers mean nothing, and it is play golf by instinct, and that suits a, a certain type of player. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's factually the, the most fun golf to watch, it has to be said, because you see the pros really working for their money when it gets like that. Anyway, we'll see what unfolds over the course of the week. Let's go to another stunning uh, seaside golf course for this week's event, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, uh, the most painful Saturday in golf, watching CBS pumping up all of their celebrities who are playing in the event. Almost no golf to be watched in the third round here. It's become a bit of a... Tradition on the TV coverage. We're not interested in that. We're interested in value bets. And who have you got for podcast Pete at the Pebble Beach Prime? Well, I've got two players. Um, a young fellow that I've tipped before, uh, Ryan Brem, who um, hasn't got a complete card. I've got a sneaking suspicion that he doesn't get to play all the events. But he, he I tipped him a couple of times last year and he finished. He had two top fives. And he's out to a thousand dollars. And Pebble Beach has got a history of roughies getting up too, with uh, a guy um, with a weird swing, Ted, the left-hander, Ted Potter Jr. Ted Potter Jr. Ted Potter Jr. won it, and and, and, and I tipped him at a thousand bucks. So I'm on the thousand-dollar jobs again. I've got <laughs> Ryan Brem. He's he's one who I think will pop up this year. The other one I've, is is a Ricky Barnes, former U.S. amateur winner, and has played quite well without living up to his expectations. But last two weeks he's had two solid finishes. So I've got Ricky in there at a thousand bucks to win. There's a couple of others I've got, but they're the two that I'm uh, sending out for podcast, Pete. And my place getters, uh, two perennial players who are just unbelievable odds. Jimmy Walker. Now, Jimmy, you'll be pleased to know, Rod, is using a directed force. Is that right? And which has produced two stunning putting performances the last two weeks. He's been holding them from everywhere. And Jimmy's record here is nine nine three one twenty one eleven fifty five eight miss cut. Now the last four weeks he's made the cut three times and his putting's improved. I think the putting's been the weakness. He's a former USPJ champion and he's six dollars to run in the top twenty. Giving money away. Not necessarily. No, but I appreciate that, but it's a that they are very, very, very palatable odds, aren't they, for a player of his credentials. 
Well, particularly on this course now, yeah. and, and he's, now he's putting a lot better. Um, I mean, he had a couple of years there where his putting was horrific, but he's got the DFP under his belt, and I can and, and I can testify, and Adrian Lowe can certainly back me up, <laughs> and, as can Warren Fox, that that thing works. Yeah. But they've never seen so many putts over. So then the other guy is Pat Perez, who I've tipped on a number of occasions. Pat's... Uh, Pat finished eighth on the US Tour three starts ago, and on this course, he's finished seventh, fourth, 41, 14, 35. So Pat's not in perfect form, but at six, five, actually $5.10 to run in the top 20. Just thought that was pretty good. That There's no top 40 bets this week so far because that market's still all alive all tomorrow and tomorrow evening. So that I will have some top 40 bets for subscriber Steve about the markets. They've got a bit gun-shy because I keep beating them at the top 40. So <laughs> they've figured out that maybe it's not the best. Well, the price option. has shortened dramatically from the first week when, yeah. I, when I hammered them. But anyway, I, I still think there's value there probably for three or four of them, and I'll put them in for subscriber yeah, Steve. Indeed. So Two, that, um, yep. that brings us to a, to a point we might have a little discussion about... Um, that I think you mentioned at one stage, Rod, is what is your philosophy as a tipster on golf? And there's because I think um, the American market is opening up for sports betting. Just used to be you can only bet in Las Vegas, maybe Atlantic City. You can now you're now going to be able to bet pretty much throughout the United States on sport. And golf is a big sport, as we know, in the USA. So there's quite a lot of tipsters that have come up out of the woodwork in the last year or two, uh, telling people how good they are. Some of them are offering their tips for free. Uh, and I suppose we are in a way too, by giving you the money back guarantee. But the difference is we've got a proven track record over the last five or six years of finding winners at huge odds. A couple of thousand dollar winners, uh, $800, $910, it got down to a dollar six, and we go on and on and on. And as you know, I tip you, me old mate Nate Lashley. Oh, did you? I've forgotten about that, J.E. I, I don't I'm not sure how. dollars yeah. which you failed to back, but that's all right. <laughs> what I'm saying is the other philosophy is that you sometimes back the favourite and you back a lot of uh, players each way up to, say, 50 or 60 or even 100 or one. And that philosophy can work if you're an extremely good judge and you've got an extremely disciplined method of betting. But I want to give you a parallel. Is the chap we were debating this fact with on uh, Twitter said that his one of his biggest wins was when he backed Tiger Woods at nine to four, which is three dollars twenty-five for the uninitiated. Uh, that was one of his biggest collects. Now, our biggest collect is five is, is ten thousand dollars. To get a ten thousand dollar bet from this chap's method, ten thousand dollar win, you have to put on forty four hundred. Now, forty four hundred for a ten dollar better is four hundred and forty bets. So, with if I can get a winner within four hundred and forty bets. I beat his best. 
Now, take the other side of the coin. To invest the 4000 if you lose, at the odds you're talking about, you have to have three or four winners that are favourites. And if you go through the markets, as I do week by week on Betfair, the favourites don't often win. And so quite often they miss the cut. So they don't even make the top 40 or the top 20. And they might be down to a dollar twenty to make the top forty or the top twenty. So my view of the of betting on golf with 156 players each week is that to try to pick the winners, you've got to be very, very, very good. Now, Tiger Woods as an example didn't win a major from two thousand and eight until two thousand and nineteen. You would have had to have a hell of a big bank to have survived that if you were a Tiger Woods better. And so I believe that our philosophy, which has proven historically, we've got the records to go back and show that we could continue to produce long price winners with minimal risk. Our biggest weekly investment is $200. His investment was $4,400. That's 22 weeks he has to get it right. Mm. I've only got to get it right twice a year, maybe three times a year to have a big week, big year. So I, I don't think there's a definitive argument. No. I think, I think yeah. you, can prove, you can prove that you can win backing short-priced uh, golfers, but you've got to have a lot of luck. I'm not qualified to to really talk about betting per se but I will say that what, what and I don't I, I'm still I still don't bet <laughs> certainly on the golf though I am interested in following your selections each week uh, it's more a sort of an intellectual exercise as much as anything else but what I like about I like about the, what you suggest to me is if you know your golf if I was to bet on horses I might as well be throwing money in the air and betting on heads and tails that's the truth I know nothing about horse racing but I do know about golf, and it feels to me that golf, because there are so many players in the field each week at so many tournaments around the place, there is guaranteed to be, each week, good value bets. Now, mathematics tells you that every now and then one of those good value bets needs to get up, which is clumsily put, but that's essentially the an outline of, system is the wrong word, but of how you select your bets. So every week I sit and listen to you and the, the names that you read out and that you select, and I can always understand why. Jimmy Walker is a fantastic case in point, as, a, as you say, as a former major. In fact, let's go. Pat Perez is probably a better. If you know anything about golf or if you know golf well, he has a local connection at Pebble Beach, which is extremely emotional for him. I think his father or grandfather was a cart boy at Pebble Beach. He's right. right. Used to wash the carts down. Whatnot. So he has a connection with Pebble Beach that is both long, it's been his whole life, and quite emotional. This is why Pat Perez has bobbed up at Pebble Beach much more often than at other places in his career. Only the really close golf watcher would know those kinds of things. You've seen it in his record there. You can see that he's bobbed up more than he might otherwise. But if you really know your golf, you can know some of those things. So that's why... Uh, I, I like what you say. We all know Tiger Woods is probably an outlier. In fact, his winning percentage as a golfer is far beyond even Jack Nicklaus. So it's, it's considerably ahead of anybody else in golf. So he's somewhat of an outlier. The 
the target, one of the Tiger Woods effects, one of the few things I know about betting, is that the prices of favourites have come down to almost silly levels because of the Tiger Woods effect. He was the favourite so often and won that the bookies just get more and more nervous uh, each time, which is understandable. But that's kind of my take on it. I think you're right. People make their own decisions about what they think makes the most sense. It probably depends how often you bet as well. Some people might only bet five or six times a year. On any given field, we know that Rory McIlroy is a better chance than most of the other golfers in the field. But the difference isn't big enough to say that nobody else can win. They're, that's a very rare sort of a, a situation. So that'd be my take on it, Jay. And I, as I said, I, I, I don't I don't follow the tips each week and put, put bets on, but I do follow them in the sense that I find it interesting. As I said, I was watching Nate Lashley last Sunday with great interest, refreshing the scoreboard regularly to see what would happen. So it adds an element of interest and excitement to the golf. But to me, that's what swings it. If you know golf, which is a very you can't learn golf overnight. But if you know golf, you can do what you do. There is there is a serious case to be made that it's uh, it, it it's not gambling in the sense of maybe this maybe that oh, I'll just pick one of them. That'd be my take. Jimmy Jimmy Walker's an even. I mean, I I completely concur with what you've said about Perez. I think if you tip if you back Perez at five dollars to be in the top twenty in every event. You wouldn't go. You wouldn't be far out. Mm, you know, no, he's, he's a very, very good player. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Jimmy Walker's the best example here, because I know two things. Jimmy Walker has got a phenomenal record here, which I've already read out. But Jimmy Walker's been out of form for about two or three years, and I've watched him carefully. and And there's quite a bit of discussion about it on on uh, on, the, on the social media networks about how Jimmy's putting. Now, Jimmy, we know that if Jimmy's gone to the DFP, he had a problem because Mm -hmm. DFP's a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So he's come out there. He's used it for the last three weeks. He's putted a lot better. I've watched him hold a lot of putts. They've actually shown it. They've been talking about the putter and giving it a bagging. But Jimmy's not. He's sticking with it. And I know that Adam Scott's very keen on the putter. And they're actually making a longer putter for Adam Scott right now. So I've got Jimmy down because he's coming back into form. His his record in the last three weeks shows that. He's, I see him putting better. And that means that his confidence is going to be higher. And he plays well here. So this course suits him. There's plenty of room off the tee. And he hits a... He gets a huge hook, so he needs a bit of room. Those tree-line courses must be a nightmare for him. He has to go through the branches. But here, no such issue. So so I think those two guys in the top 20, I've, I've got a sneaking liking for Jimmy to win. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is these guys are tipping guys at $6 to win. Yeah. I've got them $6 for the top 20 and sometimes, as I did last week, $14 for the top 20 with a, quite a bit of inside information. Yeah. So it just seems to me that it, it's not about picking winners week by week by week if you're a regular golf punter. No. It's about finding value continuously throughout the year and the next year and the next year and the next year and proving that our system works as we have done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you couldn't do what you're doing as a casual fan. It's it, uh, it 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 it's work for want of a better term. It's enjoyable, and you'd be doing it anyway, so it's not work in that sense. But it's a lot of work to to keep up with and process. You know, no casual fan would ever know any of that stuff about Jimmy Walker's putting and the way that it's trending. So, 
that's the sort of information you need to be able to realise that $6 for the top 20 is, in fact, a really good value bet for Jimmy Walker. So, yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more, Jay. I'm sure there's a million ways to decide who you're going to bet on and what you're going to bet, but I, I really like the way uh, that you go about it, and I think the results show that, even in the short time we've been doing the podcast. Uh, I think I've seen, as you know, the very first week I missed the $700 winner in Nate Lashley, which I'll never, uh, obviously never live down. We haven't had a winner yet since yet, but I fully expect that at some point in 2020, I think you're, we go, did. you're going to tip a winner. I think we had, I think we had um, Mitchell. Mitchell at $400. I'm pretty sure we did. But any, yeah. maybe it was I before. But... Yeah, I don't think we were doing the podcast when that happened because if we had, no, I would, I would I remember it. Yeah, no, so. well, you're not going to tell me you're a Jonah now, are you? Well, <laughs> well, you might be able to make that case. Uh, might be able to make it indeed. Uh, let's wrap it up. I better get this out because people will need to be making those bets fairly soon. The golf starts early tomorrow morning, as you said, out at the Vic Open at 13th Beach. I will just say one thing before, two things before we go. You mentioned Ricky Barnes earlier. He's the subject of one of my favourite golf stories. You're right, he's a US Amateur winner, former US Amateur winner, uh, player of some considerable talent. His brother caddied for him when he played at Augusta National the year he won the US Amateur. You get a start at Augusta National if you win the US Amateur. And somebody asked his brother, how he thought Ricky would go. And his brother's response was, I'll never forget this, J.E. You know, Ricky's just about dumb enough to think that he can win this. <laughs> Which I thought was... That's a bit of a... That's, that's, I've actually had a similar... I had a, I'm not going to tell the story, but I had a similar experience when I asked Verity Charles what she, what, why Bob hadn't promoted my clubs when he was using them. And I got a very similar response. That's not right. quite the same, but not far out. Indeed. And the second thing I just wanted to say is... Uh, I saw Lucas Herbert today. He came to the press room. You had a bunch of players come through the press room today. And yesterday, as you said, Jeff Ogilvy was fantastic, as you noted. You can see that interview if you're interested on YouTube. But Kari Webb came in, Stacey Lewis and Villas. But I saw Lucas Herbert today. He shot 10 under in the Pro-Am this morning. Uh, which what, a is, what a player he's going to be. He's, he really is. And, and I must say, I, I wrote a story off the, the back of asking a few questions. Lucas and I have had our disagreements about various things in the past, and there's been some niggle there and whatnot, but I feel he's a changed person after that victory. And ironically, Jay, you can probably confirm this as a player, Lucas was always quite cocky, and he, he was quite happy to admit that. He admired that trait in other people. He said success for people tend to be cocky, uh, and they should be because they've got the talent. He was always quite cocky. He now seems to me the cockiness has been sort of knocked off and he's got genuine confidence. He's won a proper golf tournament against a good field on a difficult golf course, a prestigious event and important. He doesn't need to be cocky anymore. He's knocked it back to just that proper confidence. And I thought that was a, a subtle but very big and important thing. Does that make any sense what I've suggested there? Well, but it does. So you think he's matured? Very much. Very much. Isn't that great? Um, Isn't that great? Yeah, I, look, I really do think it is. And look, I, I like Lucas a lot because he, I don't always agree with him, but he always says he says interesting things. He speaks his mind. We don't get enough of that uh, in golfers. He's not afraid of, you know, bad publicity or any of those sorts of things. It, 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 a little bit like Norman in some ways, in that way. Um, I think he's probably a bit brighter than Norman, maybe thinks about the game a bit more than Norman. But yeah, I was, I was very impressed. And it was, it was nice to be able to shake his hand and congratulate him on his win because... That's a fantastic for any player. He's only 24 years old, J.E., so world at his feet. But I just thought it was interesting to, uh, to just, just note his attitude. Yeah, as was I. As was I. So 
Well done, Lucas, if you happen to be listening. I know you won't be, so that's good. You'll never hear that I said something nice about you, and that's better if it stays that way. <laughs> we can have continue to have our little niggling arguments. Jay, fantastic to uh, to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you next year when you come down. But, in fact, I look forward to seeing you next week. We'll be back in the studio in Sydney next week, and that's always the best way to do these things. But uh, thanks for your time today. Always brilliant. I'll enjoy, uh, I'll enjoy your, your commentary. <laughs> Let's hope so, and I'm sure if you don't, I'll be the first to know about it. That's it for episode 28 of Risk and Reward. Thanks for tuning in. As we just said, we'll be back to do it all again next week here on the Winning Edge Investments Risk and Reward Podcast.